Are you suffering from chronic joint or back pain? Downtown's Healthcare in Denver offers effective alternative therapies that are non-invasive, non-surgical, and drug-free. Start your journey to a pain-free life. Call Downtown's Healthcare at 303-292-9992, now in Lowry or downtown. Hi, everyone. I'm John C. Morley, the host of the J. Moore Tech Talk Show and Inspirations for Your Life. Hey guys, it is John C. Morley here, Serial Entrepreneur. Welcome to the J. Moore Tech Talk Show. Another great episode coming up right here for you now. I can't believe we're on the second Friday of October and we only have, what is it, two weeks left and it'll be Halloween on the 31st. So that's basically uh, one, two three weeks, uh, basically two weeks from this coming Monday, the 17th. We have a lot of great stuff to share with you tonight. First of all, if you're wanting to become a guest on JMOR Tech Talk, just go to jmor.com, click on Reach Out Today, and you need to fill out a profile. Uh, we've been getting a lot of people that want to be guests, but I need to clarify something. Our show is not a sales show. So if you're coming here to tell me how great you are inventing this or how wonderful you did with this or how you sell this or sell that, I really don't care. <laughs> the reason is because this show is about educating people and talking about technology. So if you're here to tell me about the fact that you invented something, that's great. I want to know what propelled you to invent it. I don't want to know what it costs. I don't want to know how you put it in clients' places. I want to know why we should be moved by the story. And if it has something to do with the fact that you made money on it, I'm not interested. I'm interested in authors. I'm interested in people that really want to give back to our great world. So if you have that kind of a story, reach out. Otherwise, you're probably not going to make it on the show. We get about a thousand people that apply and you're probably wondering how many do we actually bring on the show? Well, Everybody ready? We probably bring on about 10 or 12 out of every thousand apply. Not to discourage you, but we want really good content. And you don't have to be an expert in what you do in the sense of presenting, but you do need to have something that my viewers are going to want to hear about. And if it's about sales, you're probably not going to get on the show. All right. So let's get right into our topic, shall we? All right. So first thing is, um, get some, some water here, um, Amazon. Yes, Amazon is facing some more labor strikes. You're probably saying to me, John, why are they facing more labor strikes? Well, the truth of the matter is, you know, Amazon's always trying to do things for 
the lowest amount of money, which all companies are. I mean, don't get me wrong. That, that is a common thing. However, if you're always trying to do things for the lowest amount of money and you're not trying to give value, that's a problem. So Amazon's labor union faces are going to another showdown because um, the workers want um, better conditions. Okay. And they're talking about the Amazon assembly workers. So we know about lots of challenges that happen to different Amazon facilities. The group is about to make its third attempt now. Um, and with this, Amazon's facility near Albany, New York, will begin voting on whether to join the ALU and become the second unionized Amazon warehouse in the United States. The ballot casting will take place from Wednesday through Monday with the vote count scheduled for October 18th, according to the National Labor Relations Board or the NLRB, if you like acronyms. So the stakes are high for the union at the facility known as the ALB1. And the vote could help determine whether the ALU's initial win was one off or the first of an untold number of unprecedented uh, cases and union victories that'll be servicing all throughout the nation and, yes, the world. So um, when uh, all this is coming around, it comes to the fact that Amazon has still not formally recognized the union in Staten Island or come to the bargaining table. Instead, Amazon continues to push back against the group's victory with the NLRB. I have to say, you're not for nothing, but I've lost a lot of respect for Amazon and what they're doing and how they're treating the workers like this. Um, it's really sad um, that they have to go through all this that the company can't appreciate the value they, they bring to the table. So we're definitely going to be following that for you, let you know what's happening with the Amazon, I'll call it saga. Uh, but hopefully we have another victory with another union coming together and them getting conditions and fair pay and just be able to really get what they deserve. Because I think that's a big problem. Um the encounter um, actually had reached over 80,000 views on Twitter. Pretty cool. And they're hoping that this is really going to propel them to a whole new level. So, again, we'll keep you posted on what's going on with that. And um, I'm sure more and more Amazon uh, facilities across the nation are going to start voting to unionize. So let's stay tuned with that, all right? Here's an interesting story. Um, how four Mexican immigrant kids and their cheap robot beat MIT. This is really, how can I say, uh, quite fascinating. You know, the fact, you know, we all know MIT very, very well. But, you know, how did this actually happen? Like, how did this robot, this inexpensive robot, beat MIT, right? How, how did that even happen? I think it really says something uh, about, you know, what's going on with, um, you know, the different different types of things. But I think the biggest thing it says is that um, there is potential in so many different avenues in life. So how did this happen? Well, these teenage underdogs from the mean streets of Phoenix 
challenge the best underwater engineering students in the country. And guess what? They took top prize. Wow. That's just, that's amazing. I mean, that is, when I say amazing, it's it's beyond amazing. And you're probably saying to me, John, but, you know, how did this happen? How did it work? And I think, um, you know, 10 years ago, uh, Wired had contributing editor Joshua Davis, who wrote a story about four high school students in Phoenix, Arizona. Now, three of them undocumented immigrants from Mexico uh, to be beating in the MIT in an underwater robot competition. Now, the story, La Vida Robot, has a new chapter, the spare parts, staring uh, with uh, George Lopez and Carlos Panavega, opens uh, very soon. And Davis is publishing a book by the same title, updating the kid's story to mark that occasion. Wired is republishing the original piece. Now, uh, it's interesting what had happened, how they did this, and you know where they were going with this. But I think the fact that they were able to do this on a shoestring budget, okay? And the four of them literally put this whole thing together. And you're probably saying, you know, there certainly is, isn't a lot of pride on the outside. Well, the school buildings are mostly drab and the late 50 era boxes are where they were. And the front lawn is not a lot, but some brown scrub and patches of dirt. And the class photos beside the principal's office tell the story of the past four decades. In 1965, the students were nearly um, wearing blazers, ties, and long skirts. Now the school is 92% Hispanic, drooping baggy jeans, XXXL hoodies are considered the norm. And the school's PA system crackles. And an upbeat female voice fills the bustling linoleum-lined hallways. Anger magic classes will begin in five minutes, says the voice from the administration building. Or referrals must report immediately. So I think it's really changed. But I think the most important thing is that it proves that if you have a mission, right, despite things that you might be facing or other challenges, you can achieve your goals. Even in all the hard um, set of obstacles that were placed before them, they beat MIT. I mean, that is just, you don't hear about that every day. Right. And I think the biggest thing is the fact that this can show other people that anyone can do it. They don't have to be from a wealthy school. They just need to have a little bit of support and encouragement. And they didn't even need millions of dollars for R&D. They did this on a shoestring budget. Um, so they had a great aptitude for mechanics. And uh, the 18-year-old, uh, Louis Aranda, the fourth member of the crew, at 5'10", at 250 pounds, uh, looked like the chief from one who flew over the cuckoo's nest. But you know what? They all had a mission. They all worked together. And you know what? They believed in a dream. And I think no matter what part of the world you're from or what culture you're from or how much money you come from, I think it really comes down to the fact that your dreams are possible. 
but you do have to work at them, right? You know, you never know if you're going to get that big break. And people say to me, John, you know, person's lucky. No, they're not lucky. Yes, you'll get a good break if you keep working diligently. Don't let being treated for pain be a pain. Come to Downtown's Healthcare, 950 17th Street in Denver. Find out how to reduce pain naturally without surgery, without drugs. Call Downtown's Healthcare, 303-292-9992. Now in Lowry or downtown. You're going to get that break. Not because you're lucky, but because you have a great attitude and because you're good at what you do. The reason most people don't say they're lucky or they don't get that big break is because they give up on themselves before they even have a chance to get out. They lose heart when one thing goes wrong or they have a challenge or somebody gets hurt or somebody says, oh, you're never going to achieve anything. And that shuts a lot of people down. But I just have to say kudos to um, you know these four Mexican immigrants uh, and their cheap robot that beat MIT. I mean, I think that's something that they're going to remember for years and centuries to come and be able to share with their families because um, this whole thing about how this worked was all about spare parts. They didn't go out trying to buy high-end parts. They just had some spare parts. They put them together. They tinkered. And you know what? They succeeded in this great competition against MIT, right? That's that's uh, that's really pretty cool. All right. So uh, kudos to them. Astronauts. Well, the new astronaut spacesuit has come out. And uh, I think you're really going to like this story because, you know, we don't hear a lot about, you know, the actual um, the actual spacesuit and what's going on. But, you know, there is a lot, ladies and gentlemen, that goes into the spacesuit. But before I get into the, you know, what goes into it, you know, people have said, gee, you know, the spacesuits back then were so clunky. And you know what? They were. But now that they've had the chance to, uh, retool them a little bit. They've gotten better. Um, they're still not a walk in the park, right? But they are something that is going to make a difference in how society is able to travel through space. So recently, um, there was a gentleman and uh, he was trying on the actual astronaut spacesuit. Now, this is pretty cool. Um, amazing, right? Um, so um, Wired's Brent Rose uh, is getting the chance to try on the new pressurized spacesuit. So um, this is kind of interesting because, um, you know, putting on a spacesuit, first of all, is not something uh that you can do yourself that's number one usually takes about two other people so let's talk a little bit about the spacesuit first thing is there is a layer of what they call uh tmg so you have your uh thermal micro media garment which is underwear um then above that layer you have they call that tmg and then above that you have isolation um 
you know, to to uh, basically keep things uh, insulated. So it's an isolation insulation layer. Above that, you have a liner layer. Okay. Then you have a restraint layer. We'll talk about what that's for in a minute. And then you have the bladder layer. What the heck's the bladder layer? So the bladder layer um, is above, obviously above the restraint layer. But what the bladder layer does is it's hooked up to all these air tubes, right? And so the restraint layer actually keeps the bladder layer from not expanding too much. And so the interesting thing about this is that in order to, to wear one of these things, you know, you have to go through like a, um, a let's say a uh, more of a uh, uh, flight physical uh, to almost be like a, a pilot or what have you, because, you know, they want to make sure everybody is safe. And what I was learning is that, you know, you can live without air for a little bit, but you can live a lot less if you don't have the right pressure. So they have to make sure that it's comfortable, that you're healthy enough, and that your body can handle this. So what does the air do? The air goes through these different tubes and against the different layers, including the undergarments. Uh, it actually causes the body to keep having a circulation, which is pretty cool because, you know, when you're up in space, you really can't move around very much. Now, the other thing that was really interesting that I thought was kind of cool was that when he was in this suit, you know, first of all, there were three people, okay? Um, so obviously he's able to put the underwear on himself and things like that. But when it came time to put the, the trunks on, he had sat in a chair and started his legs in there and the two um, helpers actually put that, slid that on him. And, you know, it was a big deal bigger than his actual size. So then he got sued up. They put the helmet on everything and they pressurized him. And imagine what that's like, because to be in a pressurized suit, I think that is something that is pretty remarkable. And the thing is, going up in space is not just some simple joyride, even though a lot of us, oh, I want to go to space. Um, it, it requires you to be healthy, and that's number one. But the other thing about it is that it requires you to understand how the body works and that you also get a good, um, let's say wherewithal to how it's supposed to work. So when he put the pressurized suit on before it was pressurized, it was like, Oh my gosh, I can't even move around. It was like, you know, it was like really bad. And so, um, then he sat down and you know, then they pressurized the suit. And when they did that, he was able to move his arms, his legs, not as well without the suit on, but he was able to move them on the fulcrum joints. So the knees, the arms, so he could move it just in those certain ways. In fact, he described himself as being almost like one of those uh, animatronics uh, type figures where, you know, they don't have the fluidity to move in every different direction, but they can move in certain directions, hands, arms, legs, and it's in a very specific movement pattern. Based on that, they're able to share, um, you know, some more data. And, you know, they use this data so they can figure out, you know, how is it that going in space is going to make a difference? And so if you can understand how wearing a suit can literally make the difference uh, to going into space, I think that is uh, pretty amazing.
I mean, really amazing, to be honest with you. Um, but, you know, we're going to have to see, you know, what what's going on and, and what's happening. But at the end of the day, I think people really, you know, want to go to space. There are some people that don't. Um, I'm not really having an inclination that I really want to go to space. Uh, but, you know, it's interesting to learn about it. Uh, it's a great big hassle. You know, it's a very big risk on your life. And you might say to me, John, you know, why why is it risky uh, to travel to space? Well, you know, that's a great question. And um, space risks, uh, travel to space are very inevitable to some people. Uh, it's very risky. And uh, the nature of human risks is complex. And so when you think about this, I think you have to realize how you're going to live when you're in space. See, humans are not built to live in space. And being there, as we say, can pose tremendous health risks. Uh, space administration like NASA and some of their major goals is to identify these risks to hopefully mitigate them uh, so that they don't have any as many problems or any injuries at all, hopefully. And so this has been a major, let's say, uh, thread through NASA's space flight for everybody uh, in their virtual symposium. And so what they want people to understand and they want people to take these um, virtual exercises, if you will, to see is their body able to handle this? But not only that, is your mind able to handle these type of things? What's it like to be in a room which is weightless? I mean, it sounds fun, right? What's it like? uh you know when you have to do things a certain way and so now that you can understand this a little bit there are five types of risks for traveling into space um what are they well there's quite a few <laughs> um two types of risks one is radiation and altered gravity and that comes from being in space and that's not a big deal but radiation's a problem right and researchers know that both can have major negative effects on our body. And yes, unfortunately, ladies and gentlemen, our brain. So uh, there's others like isolation and confinement, as well as being in a hostile, closed environment. Uh, being privy to risks posed by living situations that are necessary in space, including the risks to both mental and physical health. So there are a lot of risks presented uh, simply by being a long way from Earth. And um, this is a problem. So it becomes riskier living in space than any other way. And so everything from fresh food to unexpired medication will become very paramount to maintaining life and having longer journeys uh, in space. Communication delays would increase and there would likely be some communication blackout periods. So What's going to happen when you lose a contact with Earth? Are you going to be okay that you don't have contact with someone for a while? I mean, I don't know. Those are things to think about. So, um, you know, taking longer times in space is going to be a big problem, but they're trying to mitigate this. So there's the physical damages and dangers, as well as the psychological and the mental dangers. Um they don't measure it in hours, but rather in days. So in the case of the moon and potentially weeks or months, 
they start to think about Mars like that. And um, it's an interesting concept. And I want to quote what Platt said. We do work on Earth. We do work on low Earth orbit. And then we'll be doing lunar missions, all to help us get to Mars. But what's the ultimate mission? Do you suffer from chronic hip, knee, or shoulder pain? Avoid drug dependency and surgery with Downtown's Healthcare in Denver. Downtown's Healthcare offers regenerative therapies that stimulate the body's self-healing process. Call Downtown's Healthcare at 303-292-9992, now in Lowry or downtown. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Why do we want to get to Mars? I mean, you can't just board a plane and, you know, suddenly get to Mars. I think the problem is that people think it's going to be like an airline. It's not. It's got so many other facets to it that are key to not only understanding how to travel, but to manage and monitor your health. Because these conditions can put stress on the human body, unfortunately. So we talked about the radiation risks. We talked about that. And, you know, just the risks of space tourism in, in general. Uh, there's also the risk of DNA damage. So ionizing radiation is a top concern for astronauts because it can damage DNA and other molecules in the body. That's a big one. Um there's cognitive decline, and if you're in space, um, the combined speed and accuracy of the tests, known as cognitive efficiency, uh, is similar to um, what they had Mark's performance during the time, and it was an interesting thing, but a lot of people don't know what they're going to experience. So that's why it's good to go to these um, places to simulate what space travel is like. Uh, there's vision problems, 29% who completed short-duration missions, and 60% who did long-duration missions reported vision problems. Scientists don't exactly know how this happens, but they know it has something to do with spaceflight associated with neuroocular syndrome, um, and it develops. And Harjan said that it may be due to a shift of the body fluids toward the head in the weightlessness. So weightlessness is not all fun and games. There's change of muscle mass and cardio function. And long duration in spaceflight could also cause changes similar to the lack of physical activity on Earth, similar to atrophy. But it could actually speed this up and could harm the body. There's booths uh, for Earth health. Um, and there's lots of other things. But I think the biggest challenge is um, it can be a problem. A very, very big problems. So I don't know if you just have a desire to go to Mars just because you think it's fun or to go to the moon, but going through a simulation, and you might ask me, John, you know, what are, you know, what are the simulation trainings? Um, 
for going to space travel. And um, there's a lot. Uh, there's the motion-based trainer that simulates the vibrations, noises, and views the astronauts experience during shuttle launch and landing. And, um, you know, then there is things like the fixed space simulator used for rendezvous and payload operations training and a functional space station simulator used to train astronauts in the use of on-orbit laboratory systems. So you're probably saying to me, John, what training is really needed to go into space? So astronauts begin their training uh, in the SMS using generic training software until they're assigned to a particular mission. It's approximately 10 months before they uh, ascend into flight. And once they are assigned to a flight, astronauts train on a flight simulator with actual flight-specific training software. So that means that you don't just decide to go in space, buy a ticket, and board. There's got to be a lot more that people are going to have to go through. And I can bet that you are most likely going to have to sign some type of release, you know. It's worse than going on any ride or any roller coaster. There's just so much. When you think about G-forces, right? So how many G-forces is space travel? That's a great question, right? Around three Gs during the rocket launch. And it's equivalent to three times the force of the gravity humans are normally exposed to when on Earth, but is survivable for passengers. Astronauts are trained in high G-force. They wear the G-suits and must be correctly prepared both uh, physically and mentally. So you don't just say, gee, let's go hop into space and hope I know how to handle it. No, it doesn't work like that. So if human space travel is limited by G-force vulnerability, is there a way to counter G-forces? Well, prolonged G-forces, even 2Gs, are not really great for human psychology psychology. And um, this can limit our ability to sustain space travel. So we can't stay in space a very long time. Unfortunately, there isn't a way to totally combat, um, you know, the, the G-force. But, you know, we're getting better at understanding about how to mitigate it. I just feel that people want to go to space because it's like the latest fad, right? It's the latest techno fad. But when you knew, or let's say you just learned today, that there are so many risks for going into space, would you really want to go into space? I'd have to say no. I'd have to say no. And I think if you were really honest with yourself, you probably would not want to do it either. Because it's not something you just, you know, jump on board. I get my ticket and I'm going to go on board. You got to prepare for this. You got to prepare. If you're not prepared, you could suffer health consequences. And they could be permanent. And yes, they might even be fatal. So I'm going to ask you guys once again. If you knew that there were five to seven or 10 risks to travel in space, and let's say someone bought that million dollar ticket for you, would you risk to go in space? I'd have to say no. You see, when I heard about going to space a long time ago, it sounded really cool, right? 
But as I've evolved and I've learned about what's needed to go into space, it's a risky venture. And I just don't feel that the benefit of traveling outweighs the risks. I just don't think it does. I don't know. It's it's an, it's an interesting it's it's really an interesting thing, but um, we'll have to see what's going on. I get why people would want to do it, but I think they have to maybe be clear with themselves about what it really means, right? What what does it really mean? And I think if we understand that. Then, um, then maybe you could be true with yourself. Maybe. Maybe. Or are you just going to still want to do this just because you think it's a great idea? I hope you'll look at the risks because, yes, it's going to be available someday. But I just think it's not worth it. Not worth it. And you might say, why is it not worth it? Well, it's not worth it because think about all the possible risks, right? A lot of risks. I mean, would you do something that was risky that could potentially harm your life? I don't think you would. I don't think you would. So I think it's the hype of wanting to go in space. I think that's what it's about. All right. In other news, uh, Netflix charging for ads, six ninety nine. So if you watch Netflix, you're now going to have to pay six ninety nine, and you're going to get the stupid ads. I mean, come on, guys. Starting at six ninety nine, and you have to watch ads. So you'll be able to watch Netflix for the $6.99 per month. Like I said, there's a catch. You have to deal with ads to get the new low price. So the new Netflix tier uh, dub basic with ads, it'll become available uh, starting in November of uh, 2022. So yes, they made Netflix cheaper, but now you got ads. I think I'd rather pay the price for Netflix uh, regular and, you know, I'm not a big TV watcher, but I have to tell you, uh, jumping on something for a lower price than having to put up with ads, I think that's terrible. I think it's absolutely terrible. All right. I have one more uh, important story that I want to cover, cover with you guys tonight. Uh, we've talked about it before, but I'm bringing it back again. And it's another chapter. And that is, you know what it is? Tesla's rival, Rivian, recalling nearly all its vehicles or a faulty part. What's this about? I mean, Tesla, I mean, I kind of lost a little bit of their respect, to be honest with you, um, and kind of changed my perspective and even wanting a Tesla because when I learned that the e-tainment system was actually catching on fire, I don't know, that just kind of put a wrench in my plans to even wanting one, Okay. 
They're recalling almost all of their 2022 vehicles because of a problem with a wheel fastener. And the recall involves vehicles made from December 10, 2021 to September 27, 2022. And the company indicated the problem could cause excessive tilting of the wheel and in rare cases, separation. Wow. <laughs> so, I mean, when are people going to say enough's enough? Right? I'd have to say that um, this is terrible. More than 12,000 Rivian EVs are subject to a recall due to an improperly fastened bolt that could affect steering. I don't know about you, but that's pretty serious. I mean, that's like saying, you know, I'm going to buy um, a car and, um, well, uh, the gas tank uh, or the uh, battery. Uh, well, it, it, it might just drop out of the car because the brackets uh, can't hold it. I mean, that's stupid. Or, you know, we found a defect in the car that, you know, when you drive it uh, after 20,000 miles, um, it's been known occasionally uh, to lose the back wheel because the, the shaft isn't in all the way or something. I mean, is this nonsense or is this really truth? So my question comes to you again. Do you buy something because it's marketed or advertised to you well? Do you? Or do you research and take the time to figure out, is this the right water? Is this the right car for me? If it's not, I think you need to adjust your perspective and stop following the Joneses or the bandwagon technique, right? I mean, everyone likes to be like the Joneses, but you know, the Joneses have problems with the things they buy. But you know something? The Joneses never tell you they have problems with what they buy. But you just go buy it because the Jones are buying it, so you got to go buy it. I think that's a horrible thing. And I know that as uh, consumers or business owners, I think we need to be sending a message that manufacturing needs to become more responsible. It really does. And I believe that if we could be more responsive in what we select, I think manufacturers would be more discriminating into what they actually release to the market. And our last story for tonight uh, comes all the way out from Microsoft. Uh, this is a real good one. I'm sure you're going to definitely um, enjoy this story. So what is Microsoft doing these days? Well, the question is, what aren't they doing? They're doing so many things. The question is, are they doing what's best for the world? Or are they just trying to make a fast buck? Now, I don't have a problem with companies making money. Don't, you know, don't get me wrong. What I have a problem with is companies that want to make money and they want to, let's say, elude the truth. All right. I mean, that that's I think that's really... You know what it comes down to when I have to say my 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 bit, and so um, what I want to share with you is Microsoft relaunches syntax with broad set of AI based content management tools. So you might be saying, John, what the heck is that? So they're defining a new category of technology labeled uh, "quote unquote" content AI, and Microsoft has relaunched syntax, 
with a set of artificial intelligence and low-code tools to automate content creation, indexing, and discovery. Microsoft has launched Microsoft Syntex, a rebranding of the application as the company transforms it into a set of content apps, as we said. Part of the new category of the technology that Microsoft calls content AI. So where's all this going? Well, it's going to interface to things like Microsoft Cloud, Microsoft 365, the new rebranded Office 365, Azure to the Power Platform, and of course, Microsoft's Purview. And if you're wondering what the heck Purview is, well, um, it unifies large-scale data management under what they call the Purview Framework. So it's a data warehousing manipulation and management uh, type infrastructure. So as the process grows and uh, changes during uh, our next decade, so will the number of businesses that will be moving their documents into the cloud. We're already seeing that not only are um, businesses going to more digital document, they're moving to online uh, e-commerce solutions, but not just e-commerce, they're moving to online bookkeeping systems. Why? Because bookkeeping systems that are online allow you to get paid faster and also allow you to lower your account bill. Because things like with Yodel, they can automatically integrate your transactions. So you really spend a lot less time balancing your book at the end of the, the month when you have to reconcile. So Syntax offers 11 core capabilities that I just want to tell you about. Um, there are more than 300 different types of content uh, that compromise the 11 capabilities. And, and just, um, you know, some of the things I want to share with you is the enhanced no code. Document processing helps you understand tags, secure information, integration AI from Microsoft Azure, AI Builder, and other Microsoft sources. Summarization uses AI to generate summaries of content to distill key points on demand. Content assembly, uh, images, audio, and video processing connect. Help users connect, discover, and reuse content with AI-powered searches. Uh, you got e-signature. We all know that's coming with lots of different companies that are doing that, from Adobe to Zoho to there's just so many that are doing the e-signs now. Uh, search, building on the top of Microsoft Search to provide powerful ways to query, shape, and discover the content and data embedded into your files. Uh, annotation, we know that's been coming. Content rules processors so that uh, the Syntax content processor will let you build simple rules to trigger and create a workflow based on certain conditions. What if this, if it contains this, if it doesn't have this, et cetera. Accelerators and templates. Microsoft is providing a range of application accelerators for common patterns and scenarios faced by organizations. So uh, employing this new system is hopefully going to make people uh, be able to design things without having to spend a lot of time doing development and hopefully spending less time in R&D because the tools have already been tested. It'll more be more like a drag and drop framework uh, to a certain extent and make it easier for testing, but make it easier to deploy an application with what they call no code. All right, ladies and gentlemen, this has been another amazing evening uh, with you guys. I hope you've enjoyed um, the time we spent together. We're just about the end of our, uh, of our time tonight. Um, I hope you guys have a great rest of your weekend. Uh, if you haven't gotten your Halloween costume, what are you waiting for? Head out to your store and get one. Don't wait till the last week. And decide, what are you going to give out for Halloween? Are you going to give out candy? Are you going to give out money? Or give out something maybe healthy, like maybe fruit or maybe some snacks? Uh, maybe stay away from some of the chocolate and things like that, even though some people like that. I was actually um, watching a video not too long ago. 
And kids actually rate the house based on the type of treat they give. So things like um, certain candy bars got a higher rating. Like if it was a Nestle or a sticker, got a, like a 10. Things that were like jelly beans, they got like a four. Somebody gave out fruit, they gave it a two. But then some kids gave that a seven. So really interesting what's happening. Um, other people gave out some more of these like cheap candies. And when they saw that, well, they gave them like a one. Um, so, you know, interesting things. So I hope that you're getting ready for Halloween. We only have another week or two left before uh, we can say boo. <laughs> All right. Um, it has been fun being with you tonight. Remember to like, love, and support the channel. And, you know, you can do that really easily. Uh, below this video, you're going to see that link. Click on the PayPal link. Make the choice to buy my team and I a savory cup of uh, hot chocolate. How about a slice of watermelon or maybe a refreshing beverage? Either way, we'll be grateful for those pennies and dollars. We'll invest them into new hardware, new technology, new equipment, new software, even new facilities to give the most jaw-dropping, motivational content to empower your life. Remember, if you'd like to be a guest on Jay Moore Tech Talk, we don't take everyone. Out of a 1,000 people that apply, eh, we probably bring on about 10 to 12. So if you have something you'd like to share with us, reach out to us, fill out an application. If we're interested, a member of our team uh, will get back to you to set up a pre-interview. If not, uh, understand that we can't bring everyone on because we are looking for people that are bringing on non-sales content. So if you're telling me about something you invented, that's great. But if you're telling me about you invented and you did this and you installed it here and it sounds like a sales pitch, we're probably going to tell you that we're not interested. Uh, don't be offended by it. But remember, Jay Moore Tech Talk Show is here to empower the masses, to give you education, um, we're not here to sell a product. We're here to educate you, make you aware of things you need to know about, and give you some really amazing key insights. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm John C. Morley, serial entrepreneur, the host of the J. Moore Tech Talk Show. Don't forget to check out some of my other great shows, including IFYL. Why not visit Believe, B-E-L-I-E-V-E, me, M-E-Achieve.com. Check out my link tree and see there's so much other great stuff, including John's brand new several articles that I'm now writing every week. Uh, I just released a few new ones. I uh, had a network. I wrote hackers are after your data. Activists are after your data. And there's more coming. We're trying to write a couple articles every week. You know, these aren't articles that are 200 or 300 words. They're like 600, 800, 1200, 1500 words. So they're really great content. And uh, the last one I was writing about, which is, um, what is marketing for your business? Check all these out. Give me your feedback. If there's a topic you'd like me to cover on Jay Moore Tech Talk, let me know. I'd be more than happy to, um, to uh, put a show on uh, that would be of interest to you and share insights that I think might um, get you to uh, engage with us. So have yourself a great rest of your weekend. I'm going to see you guys, well, for a Jay Moore Tech Talk show on October 21st, and that'll be next week. So take care, have a wonderful night, and a great weekend, and um, I'll see you guys real soon, all right? Take care.
don't have to live with chronic pain, Downtown's Health can show you a better way. Joint pain, back pain, pain that sits and waits, Downtown's Health offers an alternative with physical and regenerative therapy. Call Downtown's Healthcare at 303-292-9992, now in Lowry or downtown.